0: How to grow and monetize a community around something you care about. What's up, what's up, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, because you can be a creator or a consumer, but it's the creators that get paid. I am excited to introduce Melissa fassel from GroupTies.com to the show. Melissa, how are you? I'm doing great, Nick. How are you doing? Doing well. So, Excited to dive into this. Melissa has built a thriving local Facebook group called Milton Neighbors. It's a suburb of Boston. She built this thing part-time and over the years, it's turned into an almost six-figure online business. And while we're going to be talking about the virtues of building a local group and monetizing that, there are Facebook groups based on job roles, family roles, hobbies, interests, diets, goals. Like it doesn't have to be a local group. So just keep that in mind as we dive into this stuff. But I want you to stick around to hear how Melissa built up her group, how she keeps people engaged, how she keeps things civil in a Facebook group, always an important topic, and how the business makes money. Notes and links for this episode, plus the free PDF highlight reel with all of Melissa's top tips from the call are over at sidehustlenation.com slash group ties. That's group T-I-Z-E. All right, so Melissa, the group is Milton Neighbors, facebook.com slash groups slash Milton Neighbors. What gave you the idea to start this thing?
1: So it's kind of a funny story. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard that before. But I was semi-new to my town. I had been in my town for, I think, like seven years or so. And I had just had kids and my kids were entering school and I needed information. I needed information about kindergarten. I needed information about a plumber, an electrician. And I felt like there wasn't a go-to place for any of that. So I thought, I'm going to start a group. I'm going to add some of my friends and we can exchange information with one another. I probably added like 50 people to start it off. I never really thought it was going to turn into what is now an (laughs) 11,000 member group.
0: Okay. Okay. So just adding the 50 people, friends from preschool, people you happen to know in town to kind of seed that initial population.
1: Yes, exactly. And I really just thought it would stick there. And I think overnight it was 200 people.
0: Wow. So how were were those people finding it?
1: I think what happened was this was sort of at the beginning of all these town groups, you know, before they were ubiquitous like they are now. And I think people were like, oh, here's a group where we can share information and let me add my friend and let them add their friends. And and it was just, it just snowballed really, really, really fast.
0: Okay, so members were able to invite other people. I guess I see that now in the Side Hustle Nation Facebook group. You know, as I go to approve people, it says, oh, this person was invited by so-and-so. So, okay, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think probably half of my members are referred from other members. But now, since the group is so big, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, you know, you get those suggested groups. And I think... A lot of my members come from those as well. Like once a group has a lot of engagement and activity, Facebook starts to think, oh, this looks good. You know, our algorithm is a super big fan of this. So we're going to kind of give you a free little ad for your group. And I think I get a lot of those.
0: Yes, I see that on the sidebar. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: You kind of mentioned this. So this thing started in 2013. Has the ship sailed on this stuff? Like if I search on Facebook for my hometown of Livermore, I see there are already, I mean, there's a group called Livermore Rants and Raves with 90 posts a day, seems to be very active, but there's already a bunch of stuff out there. Like, is it too late or was there already a neighborhood type of group in 2013 when you started?
1: So when I started, there was not, I was the first one for my town, but I don't know that it's too late. I mean, the answer is, of course, it depends, right? I feel like if there is one in town and maybe it's a free-for-all, I mean, you've probably seen these, right? Where it's just anything goes. That is ripe for being, it needs some competition. Like if it's a total free-for-all, people can do whatever they want. It's not moderated well. There's too many kind of negative things on there or it's filled with ads, for example, free ads from local businesses. I feel like there's an opportunity there to create another one. Where it's just run better and you know the other thing is people will still join it. People love to join groups.
0: Okay. so kind of take inventory of what else is out there. How can you be different? how can you be better? And again, this is just for the local groups. there's you know whatever you're interested in, maybe you can recruit some other people who are like-minded and want to go down that journey.
1: Exactly. yeah, this is just specific to local groups that we're talking about, but yeah I mean there's there can be a group for virtually
0: anything. Talk about that. There's always a risk in kind of building your house on somebody else's land. I think you've done an excellent job of building the companion website, MiltonScene.com, building the email list. Let's talk about maybe converting group members to email subscribers.
1: Yeah. So one thing that I find super to be super, super important to your point is you don't want to have all your eggs in the Facebook basket especially if you're a monetized group and maybe even if you're not like if you really value your group and some people it's just such a huge part of their lives and even if it's not monetized it's really important to them facebook can take it away immediately i've i've heard of that happening to people where they'll just shut down a group and and it's gone poof so i think it's super super important for anyone who runs a group that that they really value it's really important to do to collect these emails and to have kind of your own list. And I do it in a variety of different ways. It's all kind of tied together. But even if you're just running a group right now and you're not going to monetize and you're not sure about it, grab the email addresses. You can grab them right in the questions. When people join the group, you can grab them right in the questions. You can throw them in a spreadsheet, copy paste real quick, keep it in Google Drive until you figure out something to do with it.
0: Okay, so that's one of your onboarding questions as uh, people request to join the group. What's your email? What else do you ask?
1: I ask them to follow the rules, please. (laughs) And they all say yes. And then they immediately break the rules. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) And I I think the email one is the most important. I also ask them where they live just in case because there's a few. This is Milton, Mass, but there's a, a Milton, Ontario, Canada, and there's a Milton, I believe, in Georgia. And sometimes I get these people trying to join the group as well. They're just a little confused. So I ask that too.
0: Oh, okay. So you kind of have to specify like, hey, uh, just to be sure this is not anywhere close to you.
1: Yeah. And the other thing is, is sometimes I'll get people from kind of far away, not necessarily Georgia, but, you know, a few towns away where I'm like, you know, this isn't really relevant conversation to you. And I, I don't let people in who are more than like a bordering town, for example, because then it kind of dilutes the conversation, you know? Okay.
0: Yeah. It's got to be, like you said, hyper-targeted.
1: Right. That's the value.
0: Is there a way you kind of mentioned, okay, well, I'm going to dump those email addresses as they come in into Google Docs, and I can upload them into, I don't know, who are you using for your email service provider?
1: I use MailChimp. I have a love-hate relationship with
0: them. (laughs) Yeah, you can dump them into MailChimp. Is there an automated way to do that? Like, is there a Zapier integration or anything?
1: Now, I have not checked Zapier recently. You know how they're always updating stuff. But what I use, actually, which I just started using it's something called group leads. And it's actually an extension for Google Chrome. And basically, the way it works is when you're on desktop, and you approve somebody in the group, this will automatically throw their email into a Google spreadsheet. And if you have it connected, it will also throw their email into your email service provider. So I think they have a few in there like MailChimp and maybe Constant Contact
0: and probably a couple more. So it's so handy. That's awesome. I'm going to have to check that one out. That's been a, a factor. So okay. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need the hire, you need Indeed. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. So driving email signups from the group, what's your email strategy? You send weekly roundup, weekly newsletter, what's going out in the email?
1: It's kind of a machine. So the way that I have it all structured is on my website, I have different news stories every single day, like things events going on in town. Some of them are sponsored stories, and we can talk about that later. Basically, every single day, there's at least one story. There can be one to six stories, right?
0: So You're publishing all this stuff yourself, or somebody on your team is?
1: It's kind of a combination. It kind of depends. Usually, it's someone on my team, but occasionally, it's me. Like If it's a last-minute thing, and it's 11 o'clock at night, I may throw something important up, like school's canceled the next day or something. <laughs> They'll go out every single day, and they go out to people already on the email list. But they also are all shared in all of my social media networks. So they're shared in the Facebook group, they're shared on my Twitter account, and they're also shared on my main Facebook page. So as they get shared out, when people read them in the group, there's a call to action once they click on the story to sign up to get more emails. So that's one thing. So it's between Basically, between that and the questions in the group, and then occasionally I'll just pin at the top of the group, hey, you know, you want news and events, don't miss out on this, that, and the other thing. Sign up here, and there's a call to action there. I would say I get probably like 100 signups a month or so. It's pretty good. Of course, I get unsubscribes too, but (laughs) we won't talk about those.
0: (laughs) Of course, of course. Is that an automated thing that's sending out the basically the RSS feed from the Milton Scene blog?
1: Yep, that's exactly it. It's an RSS feed in MailChimp. One of their templates is an RSS feed that I have obviously made my own. But yeah, it goes out every morning at 6 a.m.
0: Are you selling ad spots in that email or is that that's just straight up blog content?
1: So it used to be straight up blog content. And then I started putting ads in it like here and there, just kind of little traditional ads, you know, like a header ad. And they do really well because you know so many people open the email and it's the very first thing you see. So yeah, I do sell that. It's fairly new to my offerings, but it, it works out really well.
0: We'll dive more into the monetization stuff because I think that's really fascinating once you have a targeted audience. What else is going on in the group in terms of you stoking the, the flames of conversation and engagement or like what kind of stuff are people talking about?
1: So I don't really need to stoke any flames.
0: (laughs) Well, not at this point, right? Because you got 10,000 people. But like at the beginning where you, because nobody wants to join a group that's a ghost town, you know?
1: No, totally. I completely get it. Yeah. When you're first starting out, there's a lot of kind of your traditional asking, engaging questions, talking about not necessarily controversial, but maybe controversial. So say you're starting a new group and for example, it's a local group and Maybe there's, I don't know, like a new building or something going up. Things that people will be really interested in, those garner so much attention. And then I have this, I have some things that I do still even stoke the fire with a little bit. Like, for example, every Monday we do Meme Monday, and there's like, post your funny memes, basically. And I've had people come up to me, this is fairly new in my group, I've had people come up to me like in town going, oh my God, Meme Monday gets me through Monday, (laughs) Which I didn't realize it. I just thought it was sort of fun. But
0: there's people that really look forward to it. Are you a celebrity in town? Like people will recognize you walking down the sidewalk? Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> it's really weird.
1: <laughs> I t- My husband and I joke around. We'll be like, oh, yeah, you're getting the look. You're getting the look right now. We'll be at a restaurant or something.
0: Yeah, they, they totally know you.
1: Yeah, there's totally. And there's a look. They kind of like hide behind something so they can stare at you <laughs> and make sure it's you. <laughs> it's
0: so funny. <laughs> Well, it was a couple years before you kind of said, maybe this is a business, right? It was just purely content, purely community for the first couple of years of existence, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Like I said, I didn't mean for it to be a business, which some people have told me like, oh, you got to change your story. You got to tell them this was the grand plan, but it totally was not the grand plan.
0: And I think that is probably an important point. Like people could probably tell, obviously, I imagine people are happy that you are able to turn it into a business to continue to support it with your time and and effort and energy. But it's like, if you approached it with your handout from the very beginning, it might not have taken hold the way it did. Yeah, I think you're right. Was there a membership critical mass where it was like, okay, now is the time? Or maybe you could share the story of like the first dollars that you made from it.
1: So here's a a funny story. Yeah, I would say It had reached, I think about 4,000 members. And it was really at that point, really starting to eat up a lot of my time and in energy and kind of emotional energy. You know, these groups can have conversations that go south. And then what a lot of people don't see who aren't admins is all of the private messages and all the stuff that goes on kind of even outside of the group that it can, it can really take a toll on you. On your on kind of emotionally, you know, because when it gets heated like that, it's really stressful. So it started to get very stressful. And it started with elections, local elections. People started to bash candidates and all this other stuff. And it was just awful. It got very stressful. And then I was like, you know what? I got to start making money from this because I can't deal
0: with these people for free. <laughs> yeah. If, if I'm going to deal with this, I'm going to get paid.
1: Exactly. My background is actually in marketing and web design, and I'm super lucky to have that background. But it was around that time that I thought, what if I build a website? Because a lot of times what would happen in the group, too, is people would ask for things like recommendations, for example. So people go in the group, they'd ask for an electrician. And then two days later, people go in the group and ask for an electrician. And we'd have all of these simultaneous threads going on. With asking for the same thing. And so what I started to do within the group is in the files section, I would keep lists of all of these different businesses that were recommended by people in the group. And so I would say, oh, just go to the files. You can see all the plumbers or whatnot. So it was great. But first of all, people weren't doing it. They were still (laughs) posting (laughs) because it's hard to find files. Have you ever tried to find them in Facebook?
0: Yeah, they don't make it that element super easy. Even the search bar, nobody uses it. That's just easier to post my question.
1: No, they really don't make it easy. And so what I thought was, well, what if I moved the lists to a website at least? And my first intention was it'll make it easier for people. It wasn't, yo, dummy, you can make money off of this. You know, it was first like it's going to make it easier for people because they'll be able to go to a website and I can just point to a URL as opposed to look in the files. So I did that. And then I, I, I would keep these lists and initially everything was free in the business list. And then I would also post events going on in town. And I had a calendar so people could go to one location to find all of this important stuff. And then I was like, okay, let me figure out the money element of this. Initially, I thought it was just going to be web
0: ads. Yeah, you're doing a lot of work kind of speculatively, you're out of the goodness of your heart. And then saying, okay, now that people are paying attention to this stuff, maybe there's a monetization angle here.
1: Exactly. And And that's when I was like, okay, well, and anyone can do this at first. Like when you build your website, you can throw in some Google ads and right away start at least getting the money back on the investment of the website. And that's what I did at first.
0: Okay. So you got some AdSense trickling in.
1: Yeah, I did that at first. And then people started like pretty quickly. I got clients pretty quickly for the web ads, just the basic, you know, header ads, sidebar ads, that sort of thing. It wasn't long. I I think I was up for like a month and people wanted in on that, which was great.
0: Oh, because they proactively reached out to you. This is this is something we want to be a part of.
1: They did. They did. And at the time, thankfully, I had already had some ideas about pricing and stuff put in place. But it was kind of cool in that I didn't at least initially have to solicit people because they came to me.
0: Yeah. How'd you figure out how much to charge?
1: Oh God, it was such a pain in the butt. <laughs> there was some trial and error and I did like lots of Googling. You know, I tried to work it out based on hits to the website and amount of users. And, and initially too, and this is for your users, like initially too, when I did it, I would charge by the month and it would be, I want this header ad for the month. And that was, it got to be a lot to keep track of. So now. I charge for websites ad- website ads in three-month increments, and that's a lot easier on me and my
0: time. How do you handle the recurring billing on those? Or is it just like, okay, three months, will we talk about renewing when it's done, or is it on an auto-renew plan?
1: You know what? That's a really good question. Right now, it's on an auto-renew plan, but what I'm working on is it's not auto-build. It's on auto-renew, but it's still like a manual billing process where people have to like click pay here as opposed to getting charged on their credit card. So what I'm doing right now is transferring the system so that it's auto renews and auto bills so that I don't have to kind of chase people around for for their money that I would like.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. It just makes life easier for everybody. Totally. Totally. Okay. So that's the uh, header ad, sidebar ads. There was a service... That I was using called AdPlug. It was like a WordPress plugin that kind of gave you a little bit of dashboard tracking on impressions and stuff on the ads. And then it was yeah, just on auto renew. If somebody said they wanted to cancel, you, know, you could take it off. And I would set the expiration date of the ad to like twenty twenty five or something, just because I didn't want to have to go in every month and uh, manually re up it because I was like, ah, eh, you know, they're probably going to keep paying. What what else? So AdSense at first, and then the local ads on the site. Anything in the group itself?
1: So I experimented with that a little. Facebook has been less than ideal about ads in groups. Like at first, it was a hard no. You could not have any ads in your groups. And so it wasn't something I wanted to risk. And then they changed it to, oh, sure, you can have ads in your groups. And that was, I would say, they allowed it officially for about a year. I could be I could be a little off on that, but I think it was about a year. And so at that time, when they were allowing it, I was like, "Oh, I offered that as another ad option. People could place their ad in the group. I think I charged around like $125 or something like that. And then I would also sell the Facebook header area, so the photo. And you know, people could have their logo on there, and I had all kinds of stipulations, you know, there was a template. Your logo had to be a certain amount of the template. And then the rest was the thing that said Milton neighbors. So then I would say, I think it was actually, I think it was last February that Facebook said, okay, the, now there's no more ads. <laughs> so it's really tricky, you know, because it would have been awful if I had had a group and put all of my effort into ads in the group and had it taken away. And, and you don't want your, you don't want to risk having your group getting shut down, obviously. So now it's weird. They seem to be loosening up again. You know, early 2020, they seem to be loosening up their guidelines again and allowing some ads. But I'm I'm just gonna stay away from it. It's not worth it because they could take that away in a second.
0: Okay. Even to the extent where you you or your admin could post a like sponsored story or something into the group as a as a conversation starter, that's like frowned upon.
1: Well, that's a little bit different. And let me tell you too, I kind of did, I left out one of my very important ad options. I left out two, which we should definitely talk about. So that was a really good question. One of the ad opportunities that I offer is a sponsored story and that goes on the website. And all of my stories, every single one that's on the website gets shared to every single social media outlet, including the group. So this is kind of a nice workaround because... It's technically not an ad in the group, right? It's not like a an image that gets posted in the group, but it still uses the group, uses the audience to get a lot of visibility that goes back to the website. So it's really kind of a beautiful machine when you think about it. So I do that. And then the other ad option that we should touch upon briefly is the that business directory that initially the list of all the businesses, the plumbers and whatnot, Initially, I just had those lists available for free. Now, what I do is each recommendation has to be recommended in the group. They get a free listing if they're recommended in the group with a nice positive review. And then, if they want, they can upgrade that listing. So the free listings only have kind of very basic information like this plumber is in Boston, Mass, and the phone number and the address, and that's it. And if they want to upgrade, It's got like websites, social media, pictures, all of it.
0: Okay. This is under business directory on the site.
1: Yeah. And right now, the system that I have in place, I'm actually changing like initially because it grew organically. (laughs) You know, when these things grow organically, it's a little bit of a mishmash. And so initially it was all manual because I kind of was testing it out. Like, is this going to work? Are people going to want to upgrade it? So it was totally manual. And even upgrading it, there was, I have a billing process, but that was manual. And what I'm moving to now, which should be done within the next month, and I'm really excited about is it's going to be completely self-service. So you go on there, Nick's on there, and you want to advertise the side hustle show in Milton, which is kind of funny because there isn't a podcast section, but we could put one there. You could automatically put everything up and all I need to do is approve it.
0: And I can uh, I imagine I'll PayPal you the money for the premium listing and it's off to the races.
1: Yeah, and the great thing about my new system is it's gonna auto renew as well, which again, just like we talked about, just takes so much of the work out.
0: Yeah, is that monthly or annual?
1: Yeah, this one's gonna be annual. Initially, I offered a couple different options with the manual process. It was like three months, six months or annual. And now I'm kind of like, I'm of the mindset where I'm actually ratcheting down some of my options. I want to have fewer options, but have them be, add options is what I'm referring to, have them be more automated. And so a better source of passive income as opposed to a bunch of options that I'm kind of like running around in all directions trying to figure out. So if I have a really good directory,
0: it'll be easier. Is there a limit to how many premium listings you can take in a category?
1: That's a good question. I don't know. I'll let you know.
0: What's <laughs> like if I'm the uh, wedding uh, DJ, can I you know buy exclusivity and say like, I want to be the only premium starred DJ listing?
1: Right now, if you have a premium listing and you are the DJ, there's not a ton of competition for premium listings. So there's like maybe safer DJs, for example, there might be like maybe 20%, 10 to 20%, right? Have the premium listing. So right now in kind of the early stages of this, you don't really need to have that exclusivity. But my long-term plan is to have kind of almost another tier. So free, premium, and then, I don't know, like platinum or something like that, super premium, where you would be the person, it would be it, be one person, one business.
0: Yeah, it's your own uh, version of... Melissa's list, except in <laughs> Angie's list, not <Instead> charging <laughs> the customers, just charging the, the businesses for their visibility.
1: Exactly. It is kind of a similar model. I've used that example as well, like when I try to explain it to people, because it's such a, it's interesting try to, trying to explain
0: this business to people, you know, and I'm like,
1: well, it's sort of like news and events and Angie's list all in one <laughs> in a group.
0: Yeah. What's it cost to have this premium business listing?
1: It's 175 a year. Which I personally feel like is a great deal. It comes with, it comes with the listing itself. And then you get, you get these. I, I plug the listings. I have these groups in the group. I have a group of evergreen premium listings that will periodically post in, in the group. So by that, I mean, I use a scheduler, a social media scheduler and anyone who's a premium listing, their link gets thrown in the scheduler and periodically and randomly they will get plugged in the group. And on my Milton Scene Facebook page, as well as on Twitter. So it's kind of this like nice random reminder that people
0: really like. Okay. It seems like the group was kind of the incubator, the Kickstarter for all of this stuff, but most of the monetization revolves around the email list and the website.
1: Exactly. And again,
0: that's mostly due to <laughs> fear of Facebook. <laughs>
1: But you know, I mean, I've got the email list.
0: Well, it's like the algorithm giveth and the algorithm taketh away. Exactly.
1: Be careful with the algorithm.
0: And if I'm this premium business listing subscriber or buyer, do I also get a placement in the email newsletter or a feature there? Or that's something I've got to buy separately? That'd be something you'd have to buy separately.
1: And I do do, a lot of times businesses will come to me and they'll be like, I really want to get the word out about myself. Like right now, you know. And I'll do a package, like a special package. And so the packages are great because you can have like multiple touch points for the audience. So for example, the business listing, maybe an ad in the newsletter, maybe a sponsored story, and then an ad on the website as well. So my audience really (laughs) like can't get away from you if you're that business with that package, you know? And it works, it works
0: great. Right, can you share ballpark of like the email blast cost?
1: Well, the email one, That's just a small ad in the newsletter. Most of the time, I won't sell it by itself. Most of the time, it has to be part of a package. I guess if I sold it by itself, it would probably be around $150 a month. But usually that's not something I do. Again, getting back to the kind of this idea of, I want to streamline my options. So yeah, if I'm going to set up a special package for you and you're going to spend a couple thousand dollars with me, then I'll offer that spot to you as part of the package. But it's not something, because it's a pain in the butt to change, too. That's not like an automated ad on a website. I'm not sure. What what do you use for your email service provider? I'm with ActiveCampaign. Okay. So like when you have to put stuff in, like that's kind of manual. Probably is with ActiveCampaign, too. If you put a a manual ad in, I would guess. And if not, I want ActiveCampaign.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure. It's not something I've ever tried. I'm in love with the newsletter business model right now, Companies like Morning Brew and The Hustle and The Skim. It's just like a lean, mean money printing machine in a lot of ways. And it's like, in some cases, they're they have excellent writers on staff and they're creating their own content. But in a lot of ways, it's kind of this curation game of like what is happening around town or what is the latest, you know, on the particular lifestyle that you're whether you're building the group or the email list or you know, the website audience, like, you know, if you can build that audience. There's a lot of fun stuff that can happen down the road.
1: There really is. And I mean, even with what I'm doing now, like, even though I've been doing this for a few years, it's still such an early stage. There's still so many things I can improve and do as I expand. And it's it's exciting. It's, it's fun. Like, I love doing this. It's so much fun.
0: Do you feel that way? Because it feels like, well, crap, I'm already at 50% market saturation in this town. And there's only so much I can grow because there's only so much population.
1: I don't, because it can still expand. Things that people need in town aren't necessarily limited by the businesses in town. They might need other things. It could be, maybe I end up with national advertisers, you know, someone, someone bigger. I would be happy to explore something like that. As long as it's something that I love and would recommend and would feel like super comfortable selling to or recommending to my audience. I would never... I would never want to sell out, like I would never want to compromise kind of my values or sell out my audience, but I do think there's still
0: room. Along those lines, have you ever had a sponsor reach out and you're like, mm, not a fit?
1: Oh, let me think. I probably have. I can't think of one right now, but I'm sure I have, you know, kind of like. Ah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we don't have a section I mean, for that,
1: I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> there's tons. I imagine once you have the audience, people want to get in front of it and you're like, I, I feel like I need to be a little selective here.
1: Like, yeah. So if I got an offer for, you know, like an escort service, I'd probably turn that down.
0: (laughs) Melissa, tell me about the day-to-day. Like what, what are you doing on a day-to-day basis for this business? So one of the
1: things that I really love about this is every day really is different. No day is the same. And sometimes that's really awesome. And sometimes I'm like, uh, but every day I check in with my assistant. I have a virtual assistant who saves me every single day. And, you know, we just email back and forth, usually about any new advertisers, any questions about that. I check around in the group, make sure nothing dramatic's going on, shut that down if it is or address it if it is. And then I will actually have to do that multiple times today. And then I'll go and see, you know, any new stories. And then usually at any given time, I have kind of an improvement project happening. So that's the stuff that I really love, like something in the business, on the website, in the group that I'm working on improving. And I have three kids. So the great thing about doing this and the great thing about this sort of entrepreneurial lifestyle is I can work kind of from anywhere and at every hour that I need to. So like I'll work all day and then I can get the kids off the bus. And and then if I have to, I can revisit it when they go to sleep. Some- Do
0: you have an estimate of how much time you're putting in on a weekly basis these days?
1: That also depends. I mean, I would say it's not too bad right now when I'm doing a major project and I'm really immersed in it. I can work like a good 60 hours a week, but normal weeks are probably around 30 to 35 hours. So it's part-time for me.
0: Was there a point at which you said, all right, day job, I'm out of here. I'm going to be the full-time internet celebrity and uh, run this thing full-time?
1: So that's a great question. And there's a great story to go along with that. I worked in marketing and communications at the School of Education at Harvard for about 10 years. And I started out there full time. And then when I had my first child, they let me go down to three days a week, which was amazing. And I loved the people that I worked with. I worked with just, I mean, it's Harvard, they're smart, they're amazing, they're dedicated, they're funny. And I worked with these great people but I also kind of got little, a little bit comfortable in this job in that it was very safe. It was kind of boring. And so I loved my little side hustle that I could go home to at night and and really have fun with. And then one day I was at work and I got called into my boss's office and he said, we are restructuring the department and you're being laid off. And I was, it, I didn't see it coming at all. No rumors. It was completely out of the blue, and I remember not really getting upset. I remember just kind of being very surprised. And he said, "You can take the rest of the day off," which I
0: really appreciated. You can take the so, rest <laughs> of the day off, and, and by the way, don't come back tomorrow. Yeah, exactly.
1: So I like <sighs> I walked out, and I was I called my husband immediately, and I was just like, "You're not going to believe this. I just got laid off." And he was like, "Oh my God, don't worry, it's fine. You're so good at this and that and the other thing. We'll find you a job, no problem." And I was like. No, 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 no. I'm pretty sure this might be the best thing that's ever happened to my career because it allowed me to take that jump into the entrepreneurial world that I really always wanted to take, but didn't even fully know I wanted to take it because it was scary. I would have never quit my job at this, like the best university in the world in the like Harvard Square, which is so awesome. And my great insurance and all that. I would have, I don't know that I ever would have quit on my own because it was too safe. It was too safe.
0: That's really interesting. We hear that from several different guests, you know, this getting laid off or getting fired or losing the job ends up being this blessing in disguise, ends up being this gentle nudge off the cliff. And well, now I got to figure out how to make this happen. Or maybe there's an alternative to going out and uh, dusting off the resume and seeing what else is out there. So I appreciate you sharing that.
1: Yeah, it was it really was wonderful. I mean, I know it sounds crazy. And it's funny, too, because you hear a lot of times when you hear these stories, people are like, well, at the time, I really freaked out. The thing is, I didn't really freak out because I was lucky enough that I had this side hustle that I knew was was viable.
0: Yeah. Do you have a sense of what it was earning at that time?
1: At that time, it was, I don't know. It was It was doing pretty well. I don't recall the dollar amount. What I do recall is that I didn't have time. When I was still working my other job, I didn't have time to make it what it could have been and to have it earn more because I just didn't have the time to do it because I worked. So when I didn't have to worry about that pesky real job anymore, I did have the time.
0: Work gets in the way of so much stuff. I know. (laughs) You mentioned allocating some time every week to these improvement projects. Curious, what's on the horizon for you? What's next for Milton Scene? What's going on in the group ties world? What's got you excited this year?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, the first thing I'm I'm working on is that thing I told you about with automating more of my streamlining and automating my advertising processes. And those are, it's not really one big project. It's kind of a lot of little small improvements, but I'm super, super excited to see how that's gonna all pan out, you know, within like six months or so. I'm really looking forward to that because I think it's gonna make my life easier and open up even more time for my other side hustle, this is the new side hustle. <laughs> so, the other side hustle turned into the main business. And what has been happening with this business is when people, Facebook admins, hear about what I do, they're like, well, can you consult with me? Can you teach me how you did this? How did you, people wanna know, admins wanna know how to turn their group into something that can make them some money. Because there's so many people out there that are like me, you know, that have these groups, they love them, they're also sucking the life out of them and they're not getting paid.
0: Yeah, it's time consuming to to manage and moderate and all this stuff.
1: So I decided, OK, I am going to create a course that teaches people Facebook admins, social media group admins, step by step, exactly what I did, because the way that I did it too, there was a lot of trial and error. It was very organic and I wanted to be able to give people basically a roadmap to teach them how to do it.
0: Yeah. How could we, how could we shortcut your uh, learning curve here?
1: Yeah, exactly. This doesn't have to take you two years. You can do it in like three months. So yeah, I developed this course. It's monetizing your community Facebook group and it teaches people soup to nuts exactly how to do what I did.
0: Very cool. That's over at group ties, group T-I-Z-E dot com slash side hustle show. Melissa's got a special offer for side hustle show listeners over there. Encourage you to check out everything she's got on, and, and definitely check out miltonscene.com dot as well. You can see all the different ad options, the premium business listings. Don't try and join the Facebook group because she's not going to approve you if you're not unless you're local. Don't you dare, um, <laughs> Melissa! Thank you so much for joining me, and let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So, my number one tip is about the to do list. Like, how big is your to do list, Nick?
0: It's it's never ending. And, and honestly, it is a source of stress and never being done.
1: Right. It's like a, I don't know, it's like a CVS receipt. They go on forever. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, in I think you and and me and a lot of people who are listening who are side hustlers and we're all very goal oriented. And so one thing I really hate is when I have my super long to-do list, it's got 20 items for the day. And at the end of the day, I cross off one and I just feel bad about myself. You know, I feel like, ah, even though I know I worked all day, and I got a lot done, I I just feel bad. So what I've started doing, and I got this idea from Michael Hyatt, who has something called a focus planner. And it's this basically goal setting planner, but I'm going to simplify it into something a little bit easier. What I do is I come up with three things every day, three to do items. They're must to do's for that day. And they have to be able to be doable in one day and practical to do in one day. So those are my top three. My top three, I'm able to cross off by the end of the day. And then, of course, there's the other 17 below them. But when I'm able to cross off those top three that are big priorities, I just feel better. It makes me feel good. I love it. So that's my tip.
0: Yeah, this is a really important practice. I have a similar practice as well where it's like, Break it down into a manageable chunk that you can actually cross off, feel good about at the end of the day, and take a moment to ask yourself, is that really a priority? Is that something that I should be working on? If you do this consistently, you end up making some serious progress. I mean, like Melissa said, maybe it won't take two years. Maybe it'll take three months. You, know, you can accelerate things if you are consistent with a habit like this. Absolutely. So thank you for sharing that. And thanks for joining me. Notes and links for this episode, plus the free PDF highlight reel with all of Melissa's top tips from the call are over at sidehustlenation.com slash group ties. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.